to this edition of the ASHA podcast. I'm Fred Wyant, Director of Communications with the American Sexual Health Association, ASHA. There are many misconceptions around men and just what men want from relationships. Uh, guys are seen as always turned on, selfish in the bedroom, and not all that interested in their partner once the carnal tango has concluded. But how accurate is that? Well, we're going to figure all that out today because we are talking with someone who literally wrote the book on men and sex, Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler. He's an associate clinical professor at Harvard Medical School, the director and founder of Men's Health Boston, and a member of ASHA's board of directors, I'm very proud to say. He's also the author of the book, The Truth About Men and Sex, Intimate Secrets from the Doctor's Office. Dr. Morgenthaler, thank you so much for taking time to join us on the podcast. Great to be with you, Fred. All right, well, well, let's get right to it. So I've heard you say that one of the misconceptions about male sexuality regards the notion that men are indeed sexually selfish and really only looking at their own gratification. So talk about what it is that men really want from their sexual relationships. Right, well, I think it's really important that you're addressing this in this, in this, um, in this talk today, uh, Fred. Because I, I think that men have gotten a bad bad rap, if you will. You know, we, we think of men, the stereotype, as if we were all stuck in at spring break at age 20 or 21, um, you know, sort of wild, uh, interested really only in sexual hookups and their own satisfaction and, and um, immature. And in fact, you know, one of the things that I've seen in the office after more than 25 years seeing men behind closed doors, if you will, <clears throat> talking about some of the most sensitive issues in their lives that they often have shared with uh, nobody else, is we get a picture of men that is much, much more complex. Um, you know, men have feelings. <laughs> they have uh, a lot going on in their own mind. Uh, uh, emotionally and relationship-wise, and you know, this there's an old sort of joke that shows up in lectures about men and women, where um, they show uh, like the front of a machine, and for women, it's this very complex set of knobs and rheostats and adjusters, and and then they show a picture of men, and it's just an on-off switch. Right. <laughs> and it, it, it's funny, it's funny, and I laugh at it, but I don't think that it's true. I think it's really, you know, what, what you see with men is sort of the tip of the iceberg. There's a lot that's going on uh, that men culturally have been taught or trained to really not show. And when men come in the office and it's their opportunity to sort of address what they're worried about or they're concerned about or the problems they're having and wish to overcome, we see something that is much, uh, much more nuanced and frankly much more interesting. You have also challenged the idea that men aren't interested in the emotional and relationship aspects of sex. So what are men looking looking for in that aspect of their relationships? Yeah, you know, the idea that men don't care about relationships and about their partner stuff is just simply nonsense. So men care. They care deeply. They care profoundly. Um you know, a, perhaps an important distinction is that, um, you know, a man has to have feelings for the partner. So, you know, if it's like, you know, a young couple and, and you know, there's just been a, a recent um, sort of sexual part of that relationship, well, there may not be a whole lot of uh, connection that's going on. But once men have, have feelings, 
my goodness, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily come out uh, in everyday life. You know, men are trained, I think, in two ways around manliness. Uh, one is men with women and how they're supposed to behave there. And I think that's been in flux and is very confusing for men these days. And the other is men with men. You know, there's sort of a manliness thing where guys are all trying to be tougher than the next and they josh each other and they rib each other and and that can be tough and and it's hard to know how it is to carry oneself as a man uh, to be have feelings about relationships to have feelings for one's partner and yet and yet it's scary to be able to show any of that and it's even uncertain whether that's for for any individual man whether that's something that they want to do or is good for them to do yeah and we, it doesn't sound like we really are giving men a lot of um, a, a lot of modeling. In, I mean, in that regard, they really don't know what to do or how to act, perhaps. Well, I, I think that's exactly right. And and so, you know, women, I think, have over the last twenty to thirty years with feminism, have created all sorts of models for them that is acceptable to women and considered positive. You know, so, you know, women who stay at home are celebrated for what they do for the family. Women who go to work or in the boardroom are celebrated for their success there. And what do we have uh, for men? You know, I think we're still a little bit stuck with, you know, the James Bond type is, <laughs> or, the, or the action heroes is something to aspire to. But, you know, that doesn't really work in everyday relationships anymore, right? So, you know, back in my day, I guess I'm showing my age, you know, there used to be John Wayne, you know, the cowboy, and he was the epitome sure. of the strong, silent type. But, you know, women don't want a strong, silent type. They want men who are verbal and emotionally available. So how, how does that work in today's um, social climate? And I think we haven't figured that out. And I think men need to be able to see models that work and for us to accept them more. And going back to the old stereotypes of men is sort of, you know, selfish and only absorbed with themselves and only in sexually just concerned with their own sexual gratification, I think, number one, is not accurate. And number two, robs us of the opportunities to see men as a much more varied um, and uh, complex um, type of person. Yeah. You've also said it's critical for men to feel that they are six, sexually successful. What What does that mean exactly? Right. So the idea that, you know, that, that men are, um, you know, just in it for themselves sexually is just not true. It's not what we see. Men come in, let's say, with erectile dysfunction. And one of the things I hear over and over again is that the men feel like they're not doing their job. They might even call it their duty in terms of being able to provide sexually for their partner. And, um, you know, I'm speaking here largely of, of, of straight men and women. Um, and, and, and what I see over and over again is that it's the man, once there are feelings involved, the man's ability to be a good sexual provider for his partner is part and parcel of what it takes for him to feel good about himself as a man, as a sexually successful man. Can I tell you a story? Please so, do. Yeah, to me, you know, it's amazing, you know, what you hear behind closed doors. So uh, some years ago, and I have this in my book, The Truth About Men and Sex, I described this guy. He was a paraplegic, a young guy, late 20s, as I recall, in, in a wheelchair. He'd had a diving accident. 
and he couldn't, there was no feeling or anything from the waist down. And he had, um, he couldn't have sex, couldn't have an erection. And he was married to a normal, healthy um, uh, woman. And he came in and one of the treatments we can give for these men uh, is uh, medicine that actually gets injected into the penis. Uh, sounds awful, but it actually works very well, even better than the pills like Viagra and Cialis. And it, it tells the blood vessels to create an erection. And uh, the guy came back in follow-up, and he was thrilled. And he said, Doc, it works so great. I'm so happy. My wife is so happy. We're having sex. And he says, I feel like a man again. Mm. I think that the standard thing is we, as you hear that story, you say, well, of course he feels like a man. He's having sex. And, um, and that's that. But then if you think about it for a moment, this is a guy who is having sex, but he has no feeling at all in his penis or, or anywhere down there. And he doesn't have a climax. He can't orgasm. So what's it all about? But why, did, why is it that he's saying he feels like a man again? It's because he feels like he's doing the right thing sexually for his wife. It's a complete reversal of, of the stereotype around men. And it's not just that one case. It's just a good example of something that we hear every day in the office. You know, that's an important nuance that I think often gets overlooked when we're talking about issues of male sexual functioning or dysfunction. Um, you know, we, the, the, we think about the physical, you know, part of it, but there's the, obviously this emotional and self-esteem aspect to it as well. And that's, I think that's really important to explore. Absolutely. So listen, if you see a couple in a restaurant and they look like they're having a good time with each other and they're into each other, there's a couple of things you know for sure. Number one, they're having sex. <laughs> and, and number two is that it's going well. And what that means is that the guy is feeling, when the guys feel great when they feel like they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing for their partner. And it doesn't always necessarily mean that the woman is having an orgasm with sex, but that there's something that she's communicating to him that she's really pleased with the way things are going. So I like to joke that, that a man's definition of great sex is when the woman says, wow, that was great sex. It's the men take their lead from the women. And, and again, it comes back to the idea that it's, it's what they're able to provide. The man who, and, and if you think about it, taking it a step further, what's the story with premature ejaculation, right? So premature ejaculation is the man climaxes, uh, by definition, too soon. And what's too soon too soon usually means that there hasn't been enough time or stimulation for the partner to be satisfied. Whatever that means, it doesn't have to mean orgasm, but to feel like they've had a satisfactory experience. And when you think about it, in both, why does the man feel bad? And men do feel bad, really, really bad. And they feel bad about themselves as men. But think about it. If it's true that men are selfish, it shouldn't matter because they've had an orgasm, whether it takes them 30 seconds or 20 minutes. Like, that's the same for the guy. The difference is that they haven't done enough for their partner, or at least they feel like they have. And that's the whole thing behind that. Wow. That's, that's a great perspective. Thanks for bringing that up. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of complexities there. Uh, just, just like men are complex, so are the issues around them. There you go. Um, okay. I will, I, I, finally, I, I want to ask you a bit more about 
cultural and social challenges with male sexualities. You've mentioned in some of your presentations that there are strong negative association with uh, sex and males and rape and incest and so on. And, you know, we live in a rapidly evolving world with lots of complex gender dynamics and sexual politics, as you as you referenced. So there's just a lot to deal with if you're a guy coming along these days. Uh, as some take home points, what, just a couple of quick things. What do we need to teach men about sex and sexuality as they grapple with being guys in this modern world? Yes, yes, they do. And I think what you're bringing up is really, really important. You know, so I, I would say a couple of points. So number one, the little tongue in cheek, I would say that men are people too. And what I mean by that is that men have feelings just like women have feelings, even if they don't express it quite as much. And they have feelings around uh, partners they're having sex with and they get attached and they get hurt when things fail. And uh, there's a lot that goes on with that. Another though, is that with the cultural issues that you're talking about is that somehow male sexuality has been regarded as a negative whereas female sexuality is largely celebrated. So, you know, for, for women, and, and I'm not, there's no criticism in here for women at all, but, but let's just look at it as a comparison, you know. So women and sexuality is, like we think of that as their women are grounded and, you know, they're back and it's biological and it's primal and it's wonderful and women should enjoy their bodies and all the good feelings that come with that. And as somebody who specializes in sexual medicine, I agree and I applaud all of that. But what do we think of when we think about men and sexuality? They often have these very, very negative images, right? So we do think, just as you mentioned, about rape or sexual violence, um, uh, incest. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of negative imagery. And the problem is, is that we've taken an overly broad paintbrush and we've taken these bad apples um, and we've painted or brushed half the population in the world, you know, like men. <laughs> and when we're talking about men, most men are good guys, or at least working terribly hard as well as we can uh, to be good guys and to be partners. doesn't mean it always works out, but the intentions are good. And we're talking about our fathers, our brothers, our, our, our sons, our best friends in many cases. We're not talking about bad people. And and I would say that one of the key messages for men, especially as we deal with sort of all the different societal changes that are going on in attitudes, is that men actually borrow a page from, from the women and to recognize that male sexuality is also something that is beautiful. It is a part of who we are. It is also something to be celebrated. And when it works well, Male sexuality works perfectly with female sexuality for the benefit of, of both parts of the couple. The book is The Truth About Men and Sex, Intimate Secrets from the Doctor's Office. Dr. Abraham Morgenthaler, um, do yourself a favor, folks. Um, go to Amazon.com and, and get a copy of this book. Um, and it's an equally good read um, for women as well as men. So we highly recommend it. Dr. Morgenthaler, thank you so much for your time today. We covered a lot of ground, and I really hope we can chat again. Uh, just quickly, uh, is there a website where people can connect with you and your work? Yes, thank you for that. So uh, the best website is uh, dr for doctor, 
Morgan Teller, M-O-R-G-E-N-T-A-L-E-R, Dr. Morgan Teller. There's no period after the D-R. So drmorganteller.com. And my um, practice, uh, where I practice uh, um, with a couple of other docs, is called Men's Health Boston. Uh, And we're just outside uh, Boston in a nice area called Chestnut Hill. And the website there is www.menshealthboston.com. That's great. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It was a a wonderful pleasure to talk to you. Great to be with you, Fred. And thanks to everyone who downloads and listens to this podcast. We'll have more to come, so check back often. Find us online at ashasexualhealth.org. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at InfoAsha and be our friend on Facebook. You can also sign up on the website to receive Ash's update emails, and we'll keep in the loop of what's happening in the world of sexual health, including new resources. And if you've been following us on social media, you've seen the last week or so, we've been posting some videos of Dr. Morgan Toller in action, so um, that's another good reason to follow us. Until next time, this is Fred Wine for Asha. So long, everybody.